Welcome to the Chris Wallace Chronicles. All right, you don't know who that is. Okay. He lives in Australia now, but he lived in Hollywood before Australia and New York before Hollywood. You know, the actor, the songwriter. He was at ringside for the first Ali Frazier fight, Liza Minnelli's date one night. He used to smoke weed with Morgan Freeman. Likes to tell stories, like this one that's called The Archibald. Several years ago, I was invited to what would have been called a block party back in New York. It was in Turak. The people who lived on these two blocks had them closed off so they could all get together and enjoy a lovely summer day. I had a friend who lived in the only apartment house on that street, which is why I was there. All along the footpaths and in the roadway, there were tables with snacks and drinks, and the mood was festive. As is often the case in my life, I was an outsider. I was there by accident, or serendipity, or some other unexplainable phenomenon. As a result, I pretty much watched the others and waited to see what might unfold. Few people nodded and said hi. They had to be wondering who I was and what I was doing there, but no one made me feel uncomfortable or unwelcome. At some point, this woman approached me. She didn't mince around. You've got a great face. While she said this, I got the impression she was also studying it. Thanks. I didn't know what else to say. I've been familiar with my face my whole life, and while I recognize that it's exclusively mine, I don't think much more about it. Then she asked, has anyone ever painted you? I said, no. She asked, why not? And I said, because nobody ever asked. She said, I'm an artist and I'm asking. That was the beginning of a journey that eventually resulted in my portrait being submitted for the Archibald Prize. But it was a journey of unpredictable twists and turns. Dooley invited me to come to her studio for some photos and sketching a few days later. She was focused and concentrated on her work, but we had a lot of laughs along the way. She decided that she'd do the portrait with me standing, leaning against a building. It was very casual, and I thought captured my general attitude. A couple of weeks later, she asked me to come by again. I saw the huge canvas that she'd put my leaning self on, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I thought it was cool. She had another little canvas that just had my face on it that she'd done as an exercise. That was all I heard from her for a long time. Then I heard from Dooley again. She was having an exhibition of a series of new paintings she'd done and asked me if I'd like to come along. The entire gallery was filled with at least 20 enormous canvases, all in her unique liquid style. It was brilliant and colorful and, as it turns out, successful. It also allowed her to get back into her Archibald groove. She asked me to come by the studio for take two. The large canvas with me leaning was nowhere to be seen, but the little face was still there. She made some more sketches, and we talked about life. She seemed a little upset, so I asked her what was bothering her. She told me that she and her husband wanted to get married by a rabbi, but because she was Jewish and he wasn't, they couldn't find a rabbi who would perform the ceremony. They'd been legally married for years, had two children and grandchildren by then, but this one thing made it feel unfinished. Are you looking for a rabbi that will marry you? Is that it? She said, yes. I said, I can take care of that. Now, let's put Dooley on hold for a minute. I lived in Hollywood right before coming to Australia to live. I met Delta when I sang some kids' songs at a park in Beverly Hills. Her daughter was in a kids' chorus that also performed that day. 
Delta recognized me from a soap I'd been on in New York and approached me to sing my kids' songs for senior citizens at her synagogue. Her husband, Bro, was the rabbi. That was the beginning of a friendship that endures to this day. Delta and Bro have been to Oz at least twice. We met another time in London, and I see them every time I go back to the States. When I lived there, I often went to services at their synagogue on a Friday night, even though I'm not Jewish. The congregation began asking if Bro and I were related, so we told him we were brothers but had different parents. The congregation he led was one of the more liberal forms of Judaism. Bro had written books about interfaith marriages and bringing up interfaith children. So when Dooley told me about her dilemma and I said I could handle it, I wasn't boasting. I was stating fact. I contacted Bro and told him Dooley's problem. He told me to put her in touch with him. So Dooley, her husband, and their family went to L.A. a few months later. Bro converted Dooley's husband to Judaism per his request He said he always felt Jewish anyway. Then, Bro married them. This cemented my friendship with Dooley. I'd merely been a catalyst, but what I was able to do, no one else had done for them. In the Jewish tradition, what I did is known as a mitzvah. Others could call it a good deed or maybe a blessing, but under the circumstances, I prefer mitzvah. So, fade out, fade in, more time passed. There wasn't much movement on the Archibald front, but it didn't matter to me. I was busy with other projects, and Dooley was busy with her paintings and the business she ran with her now Jewish husband. We would talk from time to time just to stay in touch. More time passed. I finally decided to give Dooley a call to see how she was going. Hey, Dooley, hadn't heard from you in a while. How you doing? There was a long pause on the other end of the phone. Then she said, I guess you haven't heard. Heard what? She'd had a terrible automobile accident. Her husband was killed. She was pretty badly mangled and had been recovering for several months after a lot of surgery. I tried to say something reassuring, but what can you say? Tragedy is a part of life. We all know that on some level. Dealing with it is the thing, and only she could do that. Anyone who knows her knows that Dooley is a woman of enormous strength and character and indomitable spirit. She'd get through it. And sure enough, after a few more months of rehab, she got the paintbrush back in her hand. The first thing she did was a huge show dedicated to her husband, depicting stories about him and their time together. She needed to do that. The work was stunning. The meanings were powerful. I was sitting at a cafe in Malvern one morning when someone came up behind me and gave me a kiss on the cheek. It was Dooley. I'd only spoken to her and not seen her. She looked wonderful, and her smile was back. Not long after that, she invited me to a small show they were having at her studio on a Sunday afternoon. You couldn't help but notice that she had difficulty going up and down the stairs, but she treated it like an inconvenience. A few weeks after that, we caught up at the same cafe in Malvern. By now, we were back in the habit of calling each other and keeping in touch. Then, one Saturday, my phone rang. It was Dooley. All she said was, It's time. The next day, I sat in her studio and watched while she made magic on a large canvas. I'd never experienced anything like that before. Watching something emerge from nothing. We chatted a little, but mostly I watched. 
I saw my eyes begin to materialize on the canvas. We were looking at each other, but our looks were entirely different. I was looking at her as I would anyone I was talking to. She looked at me in a way I've never been looked at before. It was intense and specific. She wasn't looking at me so much as looking at bits of me with this amazing focus. After a couple hours, she was tired. That'll get me started, she said. Several weeks passed before I saw her again. I was at that same cafe in Malvern when Dooley walked in. She came straight to my table. I'm sick of looking at you, she smiled. You're all I've been looking at since that Sunday. I think about you morning, noon, and night. I'm sick of you, she laughed. I asked her how it was coming along. It's nearly finished, she said. I'm going to take it to the framers next week. If you want to see it before I send it to the Archibald Committee, let me know. Duh. She took a photo of me standing next to my huge blue face. The eyes that I'd seen materialize several weeks before at her studio were riveting. They were also undeniably mine. I couldn't have been more chuffed if someone handed me an Oscar. She said she'd give it to me after the judging was done, but in spite of my vanity and the thrill of having a portrait of myself, I just couldn't imagine that big canvas in my little apartment, so I said no thanks. So did the Archibald people. But Dooley got it to a boutique gallery, and someone bought it. So now, my face is hanging in some stranger's house, a Renaissance Dooley is painting again, and life goes on. Now I've got another song for you. It's one that I sang at that park in Beverly Hills, titled, Which Came First? I'm Chris Wallace. Life has many questions, but answers very few. And here is one that gives me fits that I'd like to share with you. Oh, which came first, the chicken or the egg, day and night, I wonder. And then when I finally do decide, I wonder, did I blunder? Well, it must have been a chicken, goodness knows, an egg can't lay itself. A chicken had to do it. Why, of course, eggs aren't laid by an elf. The chicken was first, naturally, any other thought is dumb. So, wait a second, if that's true, where'd the first chicken come from? Well, the chicken had to come from an egg. That's the way they hatch. The eggs were there, probably warmed by the sun in a cozy, grassy patch. And pretty soon a beak cracked the shell and a peeping sound was heard. And wait a second, how could that be if the eggs weren't laid by a bird? Oh, which came first, the chicken or the egg, day and night, I wonder. And then when I finally do decide, I wonder, did I blunder? Well, I rack and rack my feeble brain to find out what is so. And now I'm happy to announce my answer. I don't know.